these are the two ways that we get people to continue moving is you make it fun and you make them feel connected to other people. Mm -hmm. And if those two things are in place, people will continue to exercise. And it's not about discipline. It's not about adhering to some program. People will just want to do it. And if they're coming from a place of wanting to do it, that will make all the difference. Welcome to the Second Act Fit Pros podcast, the show where I highlight the vibrant and active lives of health and fitness professionals in their second act. I'm your host, Erin, a functional aging specialist, and I'm here to introduce you to a diverse range of professionals dedicated to empowering individuals to live well, thrive, and embrace their second act through movement and improved health. Join me as we explore the endless possibilities and opportunities in the health and fitness field. In this podcast episode, we're flipping the script, and my colleague and fellow Summit sister, Randy Bethel, who was once a guest on this show, interviews me. I talk about confronting doubt and fear to the mission behind this podcast. I also shed light on the two essential ingredients I believe are vital for keeping people active and thriving, as well as one of the most challenging aspects of being a dedicated advocate for health and fitness. Teaching and training older adults in movement and fitness has been the most meaningful work I've done. While I've experienced the corporate office setting, it's the realm of exercise and movement that has brought me the most joy. Building connections with people, helping them move better, and enabling them to fully engage in life and the activities that bring them joy is my true passion. But I'm just one piece of a larger puzzle. There are countless inspiring individuals contributing to the health, wellness, and fitness space, and I aim to shine a spotlight on their efforts. The canvas is vast, and there's room for more artists in this field. This is a job that makes a difference in people's lives. It's fun, and there's a need. My aspiration goes beyond increasing the number of health and fitness professionals catering to the older adult population. I also want to create a sense of connection, visibility, and support for these professionals, enabling them to continue their invaluable work. I look forward to sharing more stories of dedicated individuals in this field and the number of creative and unique ways people are promoting and guiding older adults to better health and vitality. So with that, here's my conversation with Randy. Thank you so much for doing this. This is very awkward for me to talk about myself, but here we are. So now the tables are turned. (laughs) The tables are turned, yeah. (laughs) Excellent. So let's start at the beginning. So we met at the 2023 Functional Aging Summit in Salt Lake City. You were there with a fun group of women that I was totally attracted to, a group that you call OATS. So tell me about this group. Mm -hmm. The OATS, it stands for Older Adult Training Sisters. That's what we call ourselves, the OATS. This is a mastermind group that I put together last year after the Functional Aging Summit. I was there representing PK Silver, and I had known Holly from a previous job, and I saw her there. And I met Patricia, Fierce After 45, who I've had on this podcast. I met Patricia there, and... Lynn, who's part of our group, had been coming to my PK Silver classes I teach online, and she was also my career coach. So I had this idea to start a mastermind group, and I felt like all of these ladies were very like-minded. 
And then Lynn gave me the courage to act on that idea. Because, you know, the doubt monsters, like, who's going to do this thing? I'm just going to invite them to be on a call and they're just going to say yes. And then, and like, that's going to happen. And it did. And we got on the call, the very first call, and there was so much synergy with the four of us. Uh, it was a magical thing. We were just meant to know each other because we were, were so like-minded. And it became this thing that we met every other week. And we talk about our businesses, what we want to do. We help each other out. We're a support group. We bounce ideas off of each other. It's been this like completely amazing thing. I, I'm so glad that I I did that. I took the leap to do this thing that I didn't think was going to amount to anything. And it's been one of the biggest joys of my life for the past year is being a part of that group. And then meeting you all at the conference because I feel like we had this energy that you come together to the conference with this energy. And then you start meeting other people like you, like yourself, Randy. And we're like, oh, Randy could be an O. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like when you have a, a group like that, that's clearly so, so excited to be together and you just give out, give off this like aura of excitement, it attracts like my like-minded people, which is how I, I found you guys. I was like, you guys are like fun. Like, I want to hang with you. So yeah, you, you start to attract other like-minded people. It's really yes. amazing. Yeah. And, and we actually ended up making a document of what makes an oat because we had a couple people that came into our calls and it wasn't a good fit. It just didn't jive. And so we said, what makes an oat? What makes somebody an oat? And we defined it. <laughs> so, and one of the things that sealed it for you, Randy, because we've adopted you as an oat. And thank you. Was <laughs> you did a cartwheel at the conference. <laughs> We're like, yep, she's an oat. <laughs> wow. Who knows that a, who knew that a cartwheel would open doors like that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> Well, if ha if Holly had, was it Holly who did it? Holly. Mm -hmm. If she hadn't done a cartwheel, I wouldn't have done a cartwheel. So you can thank her too. Yes. Well, and that's a whole other story is that we did this whole performance at the conference, the Age Busters parody song. And yeah, and Holly did the cartwheel. That is awesome. So, so tell me a little bit about the void or the white space or the opportunity that you would like to fill in the industry, in the fitness industry? One is there's so much opportunity to train and work with and provide physical activity to those that are in midlife and beyond. And that can be done in a number of ways because there are so many different health and activity levels of people, let's just say over 50, there's people that are master's athletes and there's people that are frail and at high fall risk. There's so much opportunity to engage that demographic in physical activity because we know that the majority of people are not meeting the physical activity guidelines. Um, and some are. And there's opportunities there to train them and to continue on their fitness journey. So I feel like there's so much opportunity in this field to engage that demographic. And I felt 
like there was underrepresentation of people in that over 50 demographic in this space. In the fitness industry, I just don't see a lot of people in that age demographic. And I've always wondered, like, why is that? So I thought that those were the two gaps is that there's this population that can be engaged in physical activity and there's this population of people that that are already doing it, that are already engaged in their health, they're already physically active, and these two worlds can meet and we can inspire each other to, to keep moving, to be invested in our health so that we are aging well. Those are the, those are the spaces that I felt like weren't being tapped into. So you're thinking that the people who are already actively engaged can help the others by becoming fitness instructors or personal trainers or whatever. And so those are That's so you want to help those people get more engaged in engaging the others. Yes. Yes. Because there are a lot of people that are are physically active, like yourself, Randy. And how can we engage those that aren't? doing that and inspire them, encourage them, train, coach, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you think we can facilitate that? I mean, yes, there are a lot of, like you said, a lot of active people, but they may not recognize that they have these skills that they can offer to the non-active people. Mm-hmm. How how would you what are some ideas on how to get those people engaged? Yeah, and that's a great question. That's just still something that I'm exploring, but it is getting in front of them in, in various ways. So I've offered online workshops, writing articles. I'll be presenting for AARP to, to inform them, like, yes, you are a very active person. And have you ever thought about paying it forward and using your love of physical activity and helping others. Um, because I think when you're a physically active person, you you hang out with other physically active people, right? So it's easy to feel like you're in this bubble of, oh, everybody cycles, everybody hype. No, actually not everybody does. <laughs> and there's plenty of people that don't. So gain, trying to gain some awareness through articles, through online classes of this is an opportunity in this field that you can create something to help engage people in physical activity. And maybe it's just something that you want for yourself. Maybe you want to be cycling for the next numerous decades. So maybe it's creating a cycling group so that you have that social connection that's also facilitating well-being. So it's also creating what you want so that you can stay active is one aspect of it. and. How can you help others that aren't engaged in physical activity? How can we pay that forward? Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, so in your podcast called Second Act Fit Pros, you interview a lot of people who have made fitness their second career, their second act, as well as others who have had fitness, who have been in the fitness industry their whole career. How did you come up with the idea of doing your podcast? <laughs> it was this idea that just kept poking me if you've ever felt like you're being like mentally poked by something that's what it felt like and so I had this idea of you know getting in front of the over 50 active and healthy people and proposing this idea of getting involved in health and fitness but I just didn't feel like it was going to be inspiring for me to 
to say that. Like, I'm like, hey, you should do this thing. I thought it was going to be more inspiring if I said, hey, here's somebody that's in your same season of life and here's what they're doing in this space and give them examples so that they could see real life examples of how people are showing up in the health and fitness space. So I started doing this and I started doing these online presentations and online classes for how to become a health and fitness professional. And I had a couple of the oats in there. Like, so I had Patricia profile, you know, just gave a quick blurb on Patricia and Lynn and what they're doing in the space. And this idea just kept growing on me because I kept meeting more people that were doing various things, health coaching, you know, group personal training at all different ages. So I felt like it was just important to get those stories out there and showing all the different ways that you could show up in the health and fitness space, whether it be dance related or you know, doing a rock climbing club. Um, so that's what gave me this idea to to be telling the stories of the people that are helping pe- keep people active. Okay, cool. And it seems like you're kind of collecting these people as you go along. I've been collecting people, which you said in your podcast too. You said, I, think, I feel like I collect people. And I was like, yep, I understand that. <laughs> Yeah, I've been collecting people and why I met a lot at the conference and we went to the conference and I was able to meet a lot of really great people. And it's really snowballed and that, you know, good people know good people. So you talk to somebody and then they say, oh, well, you should talk to so-and-so. And and then you talk to that person. Oh, you need to meet so-and-so. And so it just becomes this thing where I've just met like-minded people through the podcast and everybody I've met, they're my people. I I love them. I wish I could hang out with them every day <laughs> and you know go out to lunch, hike with them. They share this passion and love for doing this work. And it's really cool to find like-minded people. Yeah, kind of the downside of us being dispersed all over the place is that we don't have we don't have colleagues like we had when we were working in an office. And we talked a little bit about this, I think. It's like right. Who are our co- our colleagues? You know, there's somebody who's so far away and it's not like you can just hang out at the water cooler and and right. and chat about stuff or, you know, let's go for a walk at lunchtime or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you stay connected with all these people? <laughs> That's a good question. I've been asking myself this for some time because I, I really want to stay connected to all of them. And, and maybe this is going to turn into something where it becomes a community of of awesome older adult professionals. I've been kind of noodling on this idea because everybody is so like-minded. And I think my experience of being on this Oats Mastermind thing is that we're just better together. Collaboration is is always the answer over competition. And everybody's got ideas and experience that can benefit other people. My thought is, is, is somehow creating a, a community of older adult professionals. I haven't exactly figured out the best way to do that. But we now have the Summit Sisters, which has kind of been like a little bit of a trial run. So the Summit Sisters is people that we have met from the conference. And so now we have a WhatsApp group and we share our articles and things like that. So maybe there's an opportunity to expand that with the podcast guests and and I just, I feel like we could all learn from each other. I feel like everybody could probably do their own little TED talk kind of a thing. And we could 
learn and continue to better serve this population just by putting our minds together. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you miss the social aspect of, of being in an office when you're doing this thing with everybody all over the place? Because I know I, I yeah. know, you know, this mm -hmm. because you get to know your colleagues, right? What mm -hmm. are you doing this weekend? What's, you know, what's your family like, you know, and it seems like that's harder to do when you're distanced like this. Most definitely. And that was one of the things when I was working with Lynn, who was acting as my career coach, is I just said, I miss coworkers. I miss having coworkers. And I have been lucky enough to work in environments where I, I was in one work environment. I was on this amazing team. I mean, the synergy with us was amazing. And we just crushed it because we worked so well together. And I knew what I had was rare. But I also knew that it's possible. It's possible to find a group of people that work so well together and to really just kind of take off from there and use that energy and that connectedness. Um, so for me, the oats have been like the closest thing to that, a feeling like I have coworkers, even though we're all serving our communities and our people in our own little space. I feel like we got each other's backs. We just help support each other. And so that's what I feel like can be helpful with creating a community of older adult professionals. Yes, you're serving your people, like, right? We're training, we're teaching our people and our participants. But it's not the same as working with people that have a similar vision and want to make the same difference that you do. I think there's just, there's a, a different kind of connection there. So I think there's, there's a lot of possibility to pull people together, which I haven't really seen that done. So it seems like there's, there's opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Cool. When you were getting your podcast going, what were, what were some of your biggest challenges? Doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the doubt monster was really big. I recorded my first episode with my fellow, oh, Patricia, and I had this plan, like this date, like I'm going to record this episode. I'm going to learn how to do all this podcasting stuff. And then I'm going to put it out into the universe on a Monday. And I had this date. And, and then that Monday came and I was like, I can't do this. I can't put this out in the world. I don't like it. I hate the way I sound. I'm a rookie. I'm one podcast out of millions. I, I just gave myself every reason to not put it out in the world. But I did it anyway. This is a Liz Gilbert thing. I don't, Liz Gilbert. You know Liz Gilbert. You know, I know the name. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and she wrote this book called Big Magic. And she has this, I guess you could call it a policy. Her thing is that fear does not get to drive what you do when it comes to creative work. So when it comes to putting your work and your creativity out in the world, fear does not get to be in the driver's seat. And it's something that stuck with me. So overcoming that doubt and that, I don't even know what the fear was, not being good enough, right? That's the thing. Always, always. Not going to be good enough. <laughs> and nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to listen to this. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> All of those things. And I, and I just did it anyway. And I'm really proud of myself for doing that. 
I have to tell you, like, I'm, I'm really proud of the Aaron on that Monday that they published. Well, good for you. Good for owning that. Thanks. It, and when you take a step out like that, the net is there. It was only like my fourth or fifth episode where Dan Ritchie, the president of FAI, reached out and was like, I want to be on your podcast. Really? He, he reached out to you. You didn't reach out to him. Yes. Yes. And he made introductions. And it just makes you realize, like, sometimes when you take the big step, people will see what you're trying to do and they'll, they'll back you up. But doubt was the biggest, has been the biggest obstacle. Learning how to podcast is the easy part. Overcoming your fears of not being good enough was, was way harder than learning the logistics of podcasting. Which is so interesting because from the outside, you just look like a pro. You don't oh. feel like it, but you, you know, you're, you're doing the thing. You're, yeah, you're wow. showing us how it's done. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Cause I don't feel like a pro. It feels like very much of a rookie thing, but I, you, know, you just got to do the thing and you learn so much. Yeah, sure. So you seem to have a lot on your plate. You're teaching fitness classes. You're working with your mastermind group, the Oats ladies. You're interviewing people for your podcast, just to name a few of the things you've got going on. How do you see all of these things coalescing into a common theme? I think the thread that keeps running through all this is that I really enjoy bringing people together because connection is so, so important. And I've said this before, but connection makes you braver. So when I'm teaching group exercise, it's like bringing people together. We're going to move together. We're going to do this thing together. And the mastermind group, bringing people together. And even on this podcast, it's still a way of bringing people together. That's where I'm finding a lot of my joy and maybe maybe a bit of a strength is bringing people together. What can grow from there? Creating a, a community of older adult professionals, maybe having other mastermind groups based on certain topics or something. I don't know. I just know that there's a lot of power in staying connected with other people. So if I can facilitate that in some way, then I think we're all going to be better at serving the older adult population. Nice. Very cool. You've, you've clearly put a lot of thought into this. You're, you're a very thoughtful person. Seems like you do things very intentionally. I don't know if that rings true to you or not, but that's how it seems from the outside. I try to be thoughtful and intentional about things. Sometimes they feel like you don't always have the answers, though. Like, you, if you have this vision of, like, oh, this is what I want to do, but I don't know exactly how to get there. So sometimes it's, like, trial and error. But also you have to, you have, to have confidence that you'll figure it out. You don't have to see everything from mm -hmm. A to Z, but you know that, oh, once I get to E, I know I'll find F. This is where I also think it helps to have other people to help you see what that next step is. I'm at point A and I want to get to point B, but I don't know how to get to point B. And then when you share that with other people, they can kind of help, help you see a path. Sure. Yeah, and that's where colleagues and collaboration come into play. Yeah, to help mm -hmm. you kind of flesh things out in your own head. Because people have such good ideas. It's really incredible. You put something out there and people start start chiming in it's like wow i just never even thought of that yes yeah yeah 
Yeah. Because nothing is nothing is a direct path. Right? You're always right. gonna have zigzags. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that because you're you're learning that much more on your zigzags. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And even if you have to go backwards a little bit, you know that you're gonna go forward. And having that confidence is really important when you're when you're embarking on something as new as this. Yes. I would say confidence and and grace. Like giving yourself grace to zigzag, that it's not going to be a direct path. And this has been an exercise for me, knowing that you're going to make mistakes, you're going to make a wrong step, you're not going to have all the perfect answers, but you'll eventually get there. Mm -hmm. So have you always been active, physically active in your life? Yeah, I've always been a mover. When I look back on my childhood, I've been somebody that likes to move. I was the roller skating kid, the scooter kid, the ride my bike to school, even though there was a bus kid. Wow. Very cool. I've only recently figured that out. Like, you know, I was just somebody that was just drawn to movement and something that's given me a lot of a lot of joy that I just have sought out. So it's something that I love. And I think that it's important for those of us that do like movement and do enjoy exercise. This is something I really have only thought about a lot recently is like, how do we be empathetic for people that don't enjoy movement and don't enjoy exercise and they don't seek it out? How do you encourage those people. I don't have the best answer to this. Do you have thoughts around that, Mandy? Yeah. You know, it's, it's different for everybody. There isn't, there isn't one answer. You know, it's so individual and yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of clients who, you know, one flat out says, well, you know, I don't like to move. And the Mm -hmm. only reason she's doing anything with me is that, you know, she's in her mid seventies and she knows that in order to stay mobile, she, she needs to be mobile. And she came to me with some physical therapy stuff. You know, she, her physical therapy stuff was done and she knew she needed to keep at it to be able to just live her life. But generally, she really doesn't like it. And it's really, it is a challenge to mm-hmm. get folks like that to make movement a part of their, their habits. Like, it's really hard. You know, there's a whole field of, you know, change management, you know, mm-hmm. is that the right word? I might be confu- conflagr- conflating that with tech change management, but helping people or facilitating people to make changes in their lives, open-ended questioning to help them identify what their goals are, what their um, requirements are, and just kind of letting them figure out why, what their why is mm-hmm. um, and helping them to get in touch with that so that they can become more amenable to moving. You know, yeah. why is it you're doing this? Why did you come to me in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's really easy to get in, get excited about a new routine. Yeah. But after a couple of weeks, it's also easy to say, oh, well, I've done that. I'm, you know, it's not as exciting as it used to be. So it's really hard to stick with it. Right. So those are really hard questions. 
They are. I feel like when somebody signs up to meet with a personal trainer, it's a sign that they know it's important, right? Like, I, I know I need to work on this. So that's a huge step, I think. Just just meeting with a personal trainer or getting a gym membership or buying a bicycle, whatever it is, it's showing that they know they need to do this activity. How do you get them to the point of taking the time to find the value in in doing it, like in investing the time and the work to do it, getting over that hump? How do you get the non-movers moving? Yeah. And I think anybody in this space is always going to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we're a little bit different from the, the gym, the gym model, because we are so one on one with our people. Mm-hmm. So we're we're more invested in our people than a gym is. You know, when somebody signs up at a gym, the gym doesn't really care if they come. Right. They just mm-hmm. people are paying their their monthly dues. And if they don't come ever, the gym doesn't care. They're still getting their monthly dues. Right. But we have personal relationships with our clients and we care. Yeah. And and so I think it's it's probably more troublesome or more bothersome to us because we want to make a difference in their lives. And when they're not willing to step up to make their own difference. For sure. And the thing that I think about is that you can't want something for somebody that they don't want for themselves. It's something that I I think about a lot because, I mean, on a personal level, I'm sure we all know people, friends and family that aren't taking care of their health and you see this decline happen and you want something better for them, but they don't, it's almost like they don't want that for themselves, right? They don't want to invest the time, the effort and... That's really hard to see. It's hard to see like friends and family in decline and knowing we know that there's so much you can do to, to, to prevent decline. And when they're not taking those actions, it's really hard to not step in and want to take over. Right. And you can't. You can't. No, yeah. you can't. And unless they ask, you you just can't. Exactly. Yeah. I always put it in their in their hands. They need to be the ones that take initiative. Because me telling them what they should do never works. Never. It actually does the opposite. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I think I think it actually repels people from wanting to take action. Yeah. 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 So the I think the best thing that you can do is just be a role model. Mm-hmm. You know, and say, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm I'm going for a hike now, or I'm going for a bike ride, or or whatever, and and you hope that some of that will rub off on them. Oh yeah, definitely. You just have to lead the way by the way you live your life, and yeah. and hope that they they follow the lead. But if they don't, you have to be. You have to have some peace with that. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That so speaking of, of living your life, what kinds of things do you like to do now? Weight training has always been a, a part of my life since I was a teenager. And it was a really, you know, my dad took me to the gym. It's kind of what got me started in the whole gym thing and working out and becoming a personal trainer. And that has really been the backbone of my activity is weight training most days of the week. 
But I really just like to stay active and I like doing a lot of variety of things. So we live in a place that I can walk and bike to the senior center and to the senior living facility that I teach at. So I try to take the car as little as possible. And I love to try new things like gymnastics classes, parkour. Hiking is is definitely up there too. Living in Colorado, rucking with a weighted backpack has been something I love to do. I just try to keep my day active, but I do love weight training. Weight training has been, has always been a love for me. Wow. Very good. Yeah. Going to be doing a cartwheel next? No, Randy, I was going to talk to you about this. I have never been able to do a cartwheel. I do want to be able to do a cartwheel. And I did. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a whole thing. So, uh, you know, Lisa, our summit sister, Lisa, uh-huh. we were talking about what we want to do next year and how we're going to gather together. Lisa and I went like an intensive cartwheel training with you, Randy. <laughs> we're going to sign up for Randy's cartwheel session. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. We can work on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Lisa and I are going to send up for Randy's cartwheel sessions. How did cartwheel after 40? <laughs> wow. So I have some work to do now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you that, but I thought I'd fill you in now. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for the warning. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else that you would like to get out there into the world? Anything you want to share with whoever is listening to this podcast? The thing that I am feeling really motivated by is bringing fun and play back in to physical fitness. And if you're looking at coming into this industry for the first time, I think it's something that we need to be thinking about. Whether you're currently working in the field or thinking about being in the field, how do we bring fun and play into the picture? Because I think that's where keeping people exercising and moving, that's the secret. It's going to be in the fun and the play. And I, I hope people can look at it through that lens. It's been something that I've been taking a bigger focus on, as you have too. We're, we're think, we're, we've been in discussions about creating programming around this. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's easier to do in a group setting. It's harder to do one-on-one. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. These are the two ways that we get people to continue moving is you make it fun and you make them feel connected to other people. Mm -hmm. And if those two things are in place, people will continue to exercise. And it's not about discipline. It's not about adhering to some program. People will just want to do it. And if they're coming from a place of wanting to do it, that's huge. That will make all the difference. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, that would that would be the differentiator because you people people don't want to do what they don't want to do. Right. They don't want to move. There's nothing you can do to make them move. They have to want to move. Yeah. Yeah. And you can help them want to move when it when it's something that makes them feel connected to other people and or fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my goal. Very good. Very good. Still working on that. I think, Randy, yeah. you're part of that equation. <laughs> Figuring this out. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun to figure out how to put the fun into it. Yeah. How do we create things that are 
that as exercise people, we can see through a lens of why this is meaningful movement, Mm -hmm. why this is important for people to move this way. They don't necessarily need to know that, but like if they're having fun and they're doing it, then bringing movements to them that just feels like silly, fun play is kind of an art, but it's something that I want to continue to work on. It's like working with kids again. Right. Because kids don't know why they're doing things. They just they're just having fun. Yeah. If we can bring that kind of that kind of inspiration to this generation, like let's have some fun. Let's not even think about it. Yeah. That that will go a long way. And as professionals, we need to recognize that they don't need to know why they're doing something. Yeah. You know, because they're not interested. They're not interested in. The muscles that are moving and and what the angles are and the, you know, all that kind of like, they're just like, so yeah, what? yeah. Just, I just want to have some fun. And so we need to learn how to kind of take a step back and not not pontificate and, you know, and uh, let's just let's just enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. else you want to add? No, I think that's okay. it. Thank okay. you so much, Randy, for doing this. Sure. Well, it has really been appreciate it. such fun talking with you, Aaron, as always. We just need to do this at least at least once a month. Just yeah, hang out on Zoom. Should. Yeah. And and I have to thank you for making a difference in our lives because you have brought so many of us together now. And it's just been fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. And thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been fun for me. Like I said, it's just been such a highlight. And I'm just so grateful for everybody that I've met. Sure. And seeing everybody form these friendships has just been hugely rewarding. Well, thanks for making a difference in our industry and in our lives. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Erin, you don't believe this, but you are the real deal. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. If you're interested in becoming a fitness professional, the Functional Aging Institute is the go-to source for training mature clients by providing fitness professionals with the most current, up-to-date, and forward-thinking techniques and strategies. They offer certifications, videos, seminars, and on-site workshops. FAI is mentioned in almost every podcast episode to date. In the show description, there's a link to get 20% off the group exercise and functional aging specialist certification. Want to connect with guests on this podcast? Join the Second Act Fit Pros LinkedIn group. The group was created to connect aspiring health and fitness professionals to those currently working in the field. If you're interested in exploring a Second Act career in health and fitness, sign up for the Second Act Fit Pros newsletter. I provide information on online events I host on how to become a health and fitness professional and opportunities to connect with others embarking on their Second Act career in health and fitness. A link to sign up for the newsletter, the LinkedIn group, and the FAI discount can all be found in the show description.